Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Everyone, are you all well this morning? So cool to see you all in the house. Uh, if you have a Bible, let's go to the book of Philippians this morning. Yeah, come on. I hope you're, I hope you're in the mood for some Bible study. Um, because we're going to get into the Word. Uh, we're doing a new series at the moment uh, called Fruitful, which is really on uh, the book of Philippians. And we're going to work through this book over the next couple weeks together. And we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to just immerse ourselves in this thing and, and get to know it really well. Uh, last week, we, we kicked off the series and we spoke about uh, the, what this church is and and. We spoke about how the church got started and how Paul was on this missionary journey. And we went to the book of Acts and we, and we read about the church and how it got started and how it had quite a dramatic beginning. And uh, today we're actually going to start reading the book from chapter 1. And um, we're going to read about 11 verses together. And then we're going to draw out of those 11 verses just our message for this morning. So Lord, as we, as we go to your word I pray that you would fill us with your mind, with your heart. Lord, I ask that your word would come alive and to us this morning. Lord, we know man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth this morning. And, and Father, we're hungry for the word that comes from your mouth this morning. We're hungry for some rhema word this morning. We're hungry for you to speak into our lives and into our hearts and so we commit this time into your hands, Dad. I pray you speak through me, enable me to deliver what's on your mind and heart this morning for your people. Amen. Amen. So let's, uh, let's go. Let's, let's read this book. And, um, and while we're reading these 11 uh, verses, what we, you, you're going to find one of those famous scriptures. Remember last week I said this book is packed with famous scriptures, all right? Ones that we can quote a lot. Um, and uh, we're going to find one of those today, and then and we're going to focus in on it. And we okay, so so let's go. Chapter one, verse one, the book of Philippians. It says, "Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in the city of Philippi." Hence, the book is called Philippians. Okay. <laughs> With the bishops and the deacons, or elders and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is not a typical greeting from Paul. A couple of things I want you to notice there is he refers to himself as a bondservant. Um, and that word in Greek is the word doulos, which basically it just means I'm a servant, I'm a slave even. Okay, And he says he's a slave of Jesus Christ. Uh, so this is just, you know, I think it's quite profound that we have such anointed men, teachers, leaders in the body of Christ, and they're introducing themselves as, I'm a servant of Jesus. I'm actually a slave of Jesus Christ. I'm committed to him. He's my Lord. He's my master. Okay. Then he carries on and he says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. So why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say, good morning, saint. <laughs> is it? It's interesting how he greets them as saints in the Lord Jesus. I mean, how often do you think of yourself as a saint? 
Not often. Hey, come on, let's, let's be honest. We don't think of ourselves as saints. But here's Paul coming out of the... Some of us. <laughs> but here's Paul coming out of the starting blocks in this message, and he's telling them who they are. You guys are saints. You're saints in Jesus Christ. And, and you know what, guys, there's, there's this truth. Sometimes we, th- we start to think that we're sinners who are sometimes saints. Like when we go to church, you know, when we go to connect, when we're reading our Bible, then when we're saying nice things, when we're acting in love, then we're saints. But the Bible actually says this, that when you give your life to Christ, He actually forgives you of all your sin, past, present, and future, and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Which means like you are clean, you are pure, you are holy, you are a saint. You know, sometimes the church over the years is like, you know, only if you do this X, Y, and Z, now you earn saint status. You can put that on your Facebook, you know, saint. You know, but actually, according to the word, you're a saint, you are pure, you are holy when you give your life to Christ. He cleanses you completely. The Bible says he washes you whiter than snow. In the eyes of God, all he sees, he puts you in Christ. And when he looks at you, he just sees Jesus. The blood, the, that cross over there, it took care of everything that you did in your past, that you might even do today, and what you'll do next year. It's covered all of your past, present, future in there, in that moment. So you're not a sinner who is sometimes a saint. You're actually a saint who sometimes sins. And there's a, there's a big difference in that. There's a very big difference in that. Because if you keep walking, identity precedes destiny. If you keep walking thinking you're a sinner, and sometimes I do good, guess what? Most of your life will be in sin. You're because that's who you think you are. You know, I'm just, I'm just this, I'm just that, I'm, I don't have that great. No, you have been cleansed, you have been purified, you are a saint, man. Isn't that awesome? So if he was writing a letter to us, he would say to the church, to the Durbanites, he would say, you are to all the saints in Durban who are in Jesus Christ. Can you put, can you, can you go saint and then your name? Can you say that? Saint Wayne. (laughs) It's an uncomfortable thing, hey. It's not that easy to say it. Saint Bonello. Saint Langer. Some people it's harder than others to say it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's not that easy. It's not that easy, which says to us, we've, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to get into our identity. We've got to start to like own it and walk in it and change our minds and start to think like that. Amen. We're saints in Jesus Christ. Okay. You're not saint status when you've done X, Y, and Z. You've saint status when you believed in Jesus. All right. Let's carry on. Then he says to the bishops and the deacons. Now, these are like two levels of authority in the church, bishops and deacons. All right. Elders and, and deacons. And what's interesting I find about this passage is, remember last week we, we learned about how the church started. So we, we, we saw the story in Philippi, and we, we saw a house church starting in Lydia's house. We saw a house church starting in the jailer's house. And so now this is 10 years later. Paul is in prison, and he's writing back to this church. What I, what I see here is that this church has grown. It's grown in these 10 years to the point now where they have, before they didn't have anybody. You know, there were just two house churches happening. Now what I see is order. What I see is leadership in this church. So this gives us an idea that this, and there's plural of all of these, which says that this church is growing from when we first read about it. Okay, so let's carry on. Verse 3. 
I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy. Remember I said to you, joy is a major theme of this book. Okay? Um, and remember, Paul's in prison writing this. Okay, when he's thinking of them, he has joy. For your fellowship or your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, let's read together, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Famous scripture. There it is, okay? We're going to come back there. We're going to come back there. Let's carry on. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace, for God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Let's just pause there for a moment. This... What the, the, something about this letter is what that we notice is that Paul loves this church. In fact, many people have written, theologians write, and that when you study all the epistles that Paul wrote, they, they say the Philippians were clearly Paul's favorites. <laughs> there is like, there's this, he, there is this deep, affectionate love. They are partners with him. They, every time he thinks about them, he's got joy. He's always praying for them and how he's just longing to be with them. And it's like he's, he's saying, I've got this affection that comes from Jesus in my heart for you all. Um, and, and then in verse 9 to 11, he just breaks out into prayer for them. And I love reading the Apostle Paul's prayers because he normally does this in, in a lot of his epistles. He writes prayers. And this is, and we get a window into what he, how he prays and what he prays. So verse 9 says the following. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. This church had love. And they were showing incredible love. And he's saying, you know what? I, he's just calling it out and saying, you know what? You are abounding in love, and I just pray that it will abound still more and more. Okay, so they, they were... They're a church of love. And then he says, in, in, in knowledge and all discernment. In other words, smart love. Okay? That your, knowledge, your love would abound in all knowledge and, and discernment. And, okay? So that, that you would have smart love. And I was thinking that, well, what, what exactly does that mean? Smart love. What is, what, what is he praying for? I think the, the best understanding that I have of this is is that it's wise to support organizations that help people on the streets rather than just go on the streets and give whatever you have. Love and smart love. Okay? So that's what he's doing. So there's a, there's a love and then there's like, there's smart love. Okay? And then he says, I pray that you may approve the things that are excellent. In other words, I pray that you may live Choosing moral excellence in all that you do. We, we had a marketplace event uh, last Saturday, and Brian was talking about integrity. And, um, and he was just sharing about how there's this particular company that makes stationery that they, they make like a billion pencils every year. And he says, but their integrity is so high, this company, that they go and plant trees for all the trees that get cut down that actually make their stationary. So they have a, 
a social responsibility wing to their company that replants. And now they don't only do it at 100%, they've gone up to 110 or 120%, which means they're putting back more into the earth than what they're taking from it. Now their pencils are more expensive than the other pencils that are there. But when you buy them, you're actually replenishing the earth and doing something good for the earth. And I, and I just thought, you know, like when you find out information like that, what do you do? Do we still go for the knockoffs <laughs> that are actually raping the earth of all this? Or, you know, and it's that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may do the things that are excellent. Okay, so this is what he's talking about here. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. That your hearts would stay pure and that you would be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Um, so let's just look at that, the, the fruits of righteousness. Um, I've, I've got a, a picture that I want to show you this morning of the city of Philippi. It's an artist's reconstruction of the city, of, the, of what it looked like in the first century. So that's the city that he's writing to. Yeah. They've kind of looked at all the ruins and they've done like a 3D model of it and they've reconstructed it. So that's what it looked like. And what you'll notice is there's a river running down it. You can see the Ignatian Way, which is that highway to Rome, okay, going straight through the middle of it. And I, the thing that I want you to notice about Philippi is that it's on a plain and it's surrounded by fruitful farms, all the way around it, okay? In fact, the area surrounding Philippi was no, is an agricultural boom, okay? It is like super fertile. Uh, things grow amazingly there. Not only that, in the hills, there's gold and copper and minerals as well. So the reason for the city being there is because of the fact that it was an agricultural, um, like, hub, okay? And, and so... They know about fruit, Philippi, all right? They know all about fruit. And if, if you look at Philippi, um, just if we go to the map over here of uh, Paul's missionary journey, you can see Philippi right at the top over there. Remember, he went to the port city of Neapolis, which is modern day, it's called Kavala, okay, today. But Neapolis is where he landed. And then from Neapolis, he went to Philippi. Philippi to Neapolis is about 18 k's. It's about uh, Durban's harbor to Pine Town. All right, that's the distance. So it's not a big distance between Neapolis and Philippi. Now, if you go to Neapolis today, which Kavala today, this is what Kavala looks like today. It's actually a thriving port city um, over there, very beautiful place. And one thing you'll do if, if you go to Kavala, uh, you will find marketplaces all around Kavala, fruit and veg marketplaces like this. Okay, those are pictures from Kavala, and, uh, and you'll see tons of fruit and vegetables and, and just amazing produce coming out. Now, in Kavala, all of that produce is actually produced from Philippi, from all those farms that you saw around Philippi, which is still there today. All of that produce ends up at the port city there um, for sale. And so when Paul was speaking to the Philippians, they knew about fruits, Okay? But his prayer for them is that they would produce the fruits, not only of these type of fruits, but the fruits of 
righteousness. In other words, that they would produce the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, that they would produce the fruit of good deeds, good service, disciple-making, evangelism, that those fruits would be coming out of them as well. So let's now, let's now swing to verse 6 and, and focus on our, on our verse 6. Can we, and can we read it together this morning? Being confident of that He... That he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I want you to look at somebody this morning and say that verse to them. I'm confident of this very thing. That he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Can I turn to the person on the other side and say this? I'm confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you say it once just by yourself? Go for it. This is a beautiful verse. Wouldn't you agree? And we know this verse well. This, this verse is like, it's, it's, like a, it's like a diamond in the rough of life. You know, when life is tough and things are difficult and we read the scripture, it's like a breath of air from heaven just coming into us. It brings hope. It brings life. It encourages us. It breathes into us that he who began that good work in us, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Why do we love the scripture so much? Why do we like, share, comment, forward, whatever, post, stick up on our, why, why is this like so important to us? Well, it tells us this. It says that, that we are God's special project. That's what it tells us. It tells us that, that we are his workmanship. In Ephesians 2, it says the following. It says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In Philippians 2, it says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. And so what we, what we see from this passage is that God is at work in us. Imagine the person next to you and say, God's at work in you, man. God's at work in you. And it's not just a work, it is a good work. And you know, sometimes with English, we look at this passage and we see um, this word good and we go, well, good means it's not bad. You know, good is, it's, aver- it's above average, it's, it's not excellent, amazing, it's not bad, it's just, it's good. But, but when you look at the word good in the context of the New Testament and in the Old Testament, what you see is this word is the same word that Jesus used when he said there's none good but God. And every day after, G, after, the, after the Father made the earth, he said, it is good. It is good. And when he had made man, he said, it is very good. Okay? In other words, it is amazing. It is incredible. Good, in this context, means a work of God. So God is doing a God work in us. He is hard at work in us. It's a work of God in us. I was hanging out with some 
friends and, and some pastors from around the city yesterday. And um, I was quite surprised to hear, you know, while we were talking with a couple guys, the one guy said, uh, uh, did you know that so-and-so was actually like a really good rugby player? Played Craven Week and National Rugby and everything like that. I was like, no ways. And he says, yeah, I played against him and he was the naughtiest guy on the field. I mean, he was like, he was the kind of guy who would rub his hand in people's faces. If their hand was touching the ball, he would like ruck their hand. You know, he would be the guy ankle tapping. He was full of mischief. He was like, he was dirty. He was hardcore. I was like, no ways. All I know about this guy is I've seen him on the guitar leading worship. And he's like, you know, the presence of God. And he's just, I'm like, this is a dirty rugby player actually at the end of the day. What happened to this guy? He met Jesus. (laughs) He met Jesus and Jesus got to work in his heart and has transformed him into an incredible man today um, where he plays by the rules. I know because I played him soccer yesterday and and he plays by the rules now. You know, (laughs) he wasn't dirty and tripping anybody. But, but, But I was just like, that is the work of God in us. That's what this thing is talking about. It's like, you know, the, when, we, when we come to Christ, He immediately gets to work on us. He gets in us and He's like changing the way we think and He's, and he's working on our habits and our motivations and our ambitions and our vision for our life and our language and our hearts and our perspectives of people. And He's just continually at work in us. To, and it's a good work. It is a work of God to transform us into the image of His Son. And sometimes, you know, we, we use the Scripture, I think we use it incorrectly, like we, we say that He's faithful to finish the good work that He started in us, and often we think that the good work is our plan and our vision for our life. But actually, the good work that He started in us was the plan to make you more like Jesus. <laughs> you know, so often we, we kind of think, you know, things aren't going that well, but I know he's, you know, he's faithful to finish the good work. And, and when we think good work, we think the vision I have, the, the goal I have, the dream I have. No, no, no. It's the goal and the dream that he has for you, which is to make you like Jesus. That's what, that's what the good work is. Um, and the result of it is that we produce good fruit in our lives. So we love the scripture because it tells us that, that we're his project, but it also tells us that he's committed to us. Like we heard Mabongi say this morning as well, is that God is committed. What he starts is what he finishes. In fact, some versions of this passage say that he is faithful to finish the good work that he has started in us, which speaks about commitment, which speaks about like, even though maybe we wonder from the task And even though we wander from Him, and even though we maybe get it wrong and go astray with our lives, that He is still committed to the project at hand. And I think about Peter, who denies Jesus. And and then, you know, once Jesus has been crucified, he goes back to fishing. (laughs) You know, Jesus called him and said, I'll make you fishers of men. So he left that job and started this job. But then he denies Jesus, he fails, he messes up, he, he, you know, and, and then he goes back to fishing, his old job. And what does Jesus do? He goes and finds Peter and says, Peter, come here, feed my sheep. 
tend my lambs. In other words, I'm, I'm still committed to you. doesn't matter how much you've messed up. I'm the God of not only second chances, but third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances. I'm here. I'm, I'm going to work on this project. Are you going to work on this project? Are you going to let me work on this project? So maybe you're here this morning and you, you feel like that's you. You've kind of strayed from the purpose of God. And you're like, I want you to know he's still committed. He is faithful to finish this good work that he started in you. Um, Kent Hughes said the following, It's not my grip on God that has made the difference, but his grip on me. And isn't that true? Yeah? It's, it's, it's his grip on us. In, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes this, and he says, I'm going to lay hold of that for which Jesus laid hold of me. In other words, Jesus grabbed me for a purpose. Jesus, he's, he's got a grip on me. He's got a, he's got a hand on me. He's got a, you know, he, he ain't, he's not going to let me go. <laughs> and, and even though I stray and wonder and whatever, he is still committed to the plan that he has for your life. I don't know if, if, if disappointment has come your way or things haven't worked out your way. I want you to know that God is still faithful. There's not going to be a moment where you're going to turn around and, and, and where you should think that I have, I've blown this like too much. I've messed up too much. And now it's over for me. I want you to know that as long as you're breathing on this planet and God hasn't taken you back, there's another chance for you. There's another way for you. There's another opportunity for you. He redeems the time. He redeems our lives. He's faithful and he's committed to us. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. So... This is all wonderful, okay? This is, this is the scripture that we're looking at. Say it. If it's not up there, say it. Come on. Being confident <clears throat> that he who began will, will bring it to completion. This is all fantastic. I mean, this is a wonderful scripture. But I'm going to throw a big but in here, okay? Can I throw a but in this morning? A big... Let me throw a however in. That sounds better. <laughs> I'm going to throw a big however in, okay? There is a big however to the scripture, right? A very big however. You know, sometimes what we do when we read the Bible is we find a verse like this and we turn it into a fortune cookie. Who, I don't even know what a fortune cookie is. You know, you go to the Chinese store, you get your you know, beef fuyang or your stir fry, whatever, and chicken, what's it? Chicken, chicken chow mein, you know, and, and then there's those fortune cookies over there. And you grab one of those cookies and you crack it open and you read this little note inside that says you're going to be like a millionaire. And you put it in your top pocket and you're like, yes. <laughs> and sometimes we do that with scripture is, is you know, we, we read it and we turn it into a little fortune cookie. And sometimes we take it out of the context in which it's written and we lose a lot of its meaning and it takes on a life of its own. You know, it almost says, can I give you another example? In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, it says this. It says, I'm, uh, he shall supply, come on, finish it. You know it, it's famous. All of your needs according to, and glory. How many of you prayed that scripture before? How many of you heard that scripture before? Come on, you, my God shall supply all of your needs according to who? His riches and His glory. And it gives us this confidence. Yeah, God's going to provide. He's going to make a way. But that, we've, we've turned that into a bit of a fortune cookie too. 
Because there's a whole context to where that scripture is found. There's a whole passage in there. Can, can I, you know, that context of chapter 4, verse 19 of that scripture is that Paul is recognizing the incredible generosity of the church in, Philipp, in, in Philippi. He's recognizing their generosity, their incredible generosity. And out of that incredible generosity, he then says, I know my God will supply all of your needs. According, Can I show you how generous this church were? I've got a, a map over here, um, which I want to show you. All right, on this map is showing you Paul's missionary journey. You okay with all the maps, all right? We're studying, we're doing Bible study, all right? So all the arrows, okay, one is, is to Thessalonica over there. The other is to Corinth, the one is to Rome, the other is to Jerusalem. Those were all the recorded places in Scripture where the church in Philippi had sent gifts and offerings to Paul. Okay? They, and, and not just once in some of those cases, especially in the case of Thessalonica, it, multiple times they sent gifts and generosity to those churches. Even in Jerusalem, they sent money to the saints who were in trouble there. In Corinthians, Paul said this about the church, about Philippi. He said, in the midst of a very severe trial, they were going through tough stuff. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first to the, off all to the Lord and then by the will of the God to us also. I mean, this is like they're beating down the door saying, I want to give. I'm yet to see that <laughs> in the modern church. So this is, this is the church in Philippi, how they are sowing. Now, just, just to give you an idea, okay? Can you see Philippi to Thessalonica is probably like, I think it was, I think maybe it's roughly 200 kilometers. Okay, so they heard Paul's in need. He goes from Philippi to Thessalonica. They hear he's in need. They send somebody 200 Ks up the road to give him a gift, not once, multiple times. Okay? Then Paul makes his way down to Corinth, who's knocking at the door again with more gifts and more offerings. Philippi. Philippi is there again. All right? Then there's an offering for Rome, and they're giving to Rome. Then Paul ends up in prison in Rome. And who gets from Philippi to Rome to give him a gift? I want you to know, you've got to, like, you've got to travel along the Ignatian Way, you've got to cross the Adriatic Sea, then you've got to get from the Adriatic, Bravindi, you know, Bravindi, we spoke about last week, there's another highway all the way to Rome. I mean, you're talking about, in those days, sailing in boats, walking on highways, days, months, weeks of travel, dangers, the, you know, you talk, it's not an easy thing, okay? And, I mean, like, today, it's like, it's quite easy, we can just wire some cash to Rome. Like, just, where's the need? Just, let's just wire it. You know, just send it EFT or whatever. This is like, no, let's gather it. Let's give it to somebody. Then let's protect it and travel with it across seas and oceans and all sorts of things. So, and then it's out of that that Paul then releases a blessing over them and says, my God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Can we take that scripture turn it into a fortune cookie for our own lives when it was released to a people who were showing that. It's almost like we don't like, we don't 
we don't quite, you know what I mean? It's almost like, you know, look, look, the Lord can quicken you to the scripture and say the scripture to your life. He can give you rain and, and own it, you know, May, own it. But what I'm trying to say is sometimes these scriptures, they carry a life of their own when they're in, but when we look at them in context, we really get what was going on there. Okay. So, um, there's, there's many other scriptures like that in the Bible. I mean, you guys know Romans 8, 28? What does it say? God will work all things together for the... To, God will work all things to the good. Amen? And we, like, we take that and we're like, yes, God will work it all to the good. And in the good, we're thinking it's my good, you know? But it actually carries on and says, to those who, are, who love Him and are called according to His purposes... And then there's more context to it. And actually Paul's writing to people who are being persecuted. And, and so, you know, like, are we being persecuted and thrown into jail? And are we loving God? And are we in the purpose of God? Well, then if we are, then we can be confident that he'll turn whatever has happened that's bad into something that's good for his kingdom. Not my good, but for his good, for his kingdom, for the gospel to advance. In fact, we see a good picture of Romans 8, 28 in Philippians chapter 1 where Paul writes on and he says, you know what, my chains have actually turned out to be something good for the gospel because now all those in the palace guard are getting saved. And in chapter 4 he says, even the people in Caesar's household are getting saved. It's t- they put him in prison, but God has turned it to the good of who, Paul? Of the gospel. <laughs> Amen. I feel like I'm ruining scriptures for some of you this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, let's, let's, let's know the word, eh? Let's know the word. All right. We, 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 the word is not like fortune cookies and we just apply them to our life. No, no. And then, no, we, we look at how we live and we look at context and, and then we apply the word. So, so what about our scripture? What is our scripture again? What is it? Give it to me. Being confident that he who... A good work. You know what a good work is now, okay? It's a God work, okay? We'll be faithful to complete it. Okay, we'll bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's go look at that scripture in the chapter, or just in the verses before and after it, and let's just see what happens. Can we do that? Are you all right? All right? It says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, Always, in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your partnership, keyword, in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And then what does it say? Let's read it. Because, pause, 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 pause. It is right for me to think this of you because, okay? Paul's saying, I'm confident that God is going to finish the good work in your lives. And it's right for me to think like this. Be because, all right? There's a reason now, all right? What is the reason? Because I have you in my heart. They can also read you have the same heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, which could also read like, I'm in chains and so are you. Um, you are all partakers. Can you say the word partaker? partaker? With me of grace. 
You are partakers of me of grace. Why was Paul confident that God was going to finish the good work that he started in this church? Was Paul confident of every church? Would he have said this to every church? Would he write it to you? (laughs) In your life? Because you know what? When we go to the book of Galatians, what we find is that Paul was not confident. He was like, guys, who has bewitched you? I'm, I'm nervous that I have come to you in vain and labored amongst you in vain. All right, so he, was, he wasn't confident of them, but he's confident of these guys. Why was Paul so confident in these guys? He said, it's right for me to think this of you because you are partakers with me of grace. That word partaker is the Greek word subkononius, which means you are participants, you are team players with me in the gospel. Guys, the one thing we must know about the church in Philippi is that they were in the game. They weren't spectators of the gospel. They were participators of the gospel. They were involved. They were active in their faith. They were spreading the gospel. They were giving out of their generosity. In fact, they were preaching the gospel. They weren't just supporting Paul in his chains. What we know about this church is that they were also in chains. Many of their members had been thrown into prison as well. How do we know this? Well, look at this passage. Di, if you wouldn't mind just calling up. Just a little bit later in in chapter 1, he says this. Without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. In other words, don't be afraid there's opposition by your opposition. For it has been granted to you on, my, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. How many of you would like that granting? <laughs> it's been granted not only to believe, but to suffer for him. And they're like, it's a privilege, okay? Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had. Question, what struggle did Paul have when he was in Philippi? Beaten? And thrown into jail. Mob right. Remember, this is the city that grabbed him, stripped him naked, beat him and Silas, and threw him in prison. Since you are having the same problems that I had, and now here that I still have. Okay. So what, what do we see about this church? Is that these guys are participants. They are partakers of the gospel. Okay? They're not spectators. They're not on the sidelines. They're not like watching Paul and saying, go, Paul. We believe in you, champ. You know what I mean? Like, you're the man. He has some more money. Here, keep going. You know what I mean? Like, you know how sometimes the church can be this, is that we have like a, we have like a few, anointed few. And we're like, you know what? Go for it, small, and go for it, Fanele, and you know what? Go for it, die, and go for it, uh, you know, Trishka. And like, we like, we've got the, the, the gang, and like, all of us, we support the gang, you know? The gang is, the gang's in the business, the gang's doing the thing, and what do we do? We fork out some extra cash and say, go gang, go gang, you know? Um, that, that, that's not the picture we get here. What we see is a church that is partakers. And look at what he says, you are all partakers. All. In other words, like there's no spectator in this church. There's no one sitting up there just keeping a seat warm on a Sunday. There's no one there just like watching from a distance and saying, you know, one day I'll step out and make a disciple. But right now I support you, champ. I'm here. And I'm, and I'm putting some in, you know. <laughs> no, this, this is, they were all on team. 
every member a minister, every person in their ministry doing their thing for the sake of the gospel. And I'm confident that God is going to finish the good work that he started in you because you're in the game. You're in the game. You haven't left. You're not on the sidelines. You're not spectators anymore. You are participators in the gospel. So, you know, it's kind of like Paul, it's kind of like this. You know, if you're watching your team play soccer and, and like at halftime, like you, you, you do an assessment, a halftime assessment. You know how we do these the halftime assessments. Half-time, and we're like, you know, hey, the passing is not good or... Or maybe let's say it is, you know, the passing is good. The, the, there's been a number of shots at goal. You know, the defense is strong. Nothing is getting through. Your halftime assessment is what? They, they're going to win this thing. We, we've got a good chance. I'm confident in my team. They're going to finish strong. But if at halftime you're watching this game and they're like, and the passing is nowhere and the keeper is just like scrambling to, to block balls out and, and there's been no shots at goal, nothing the whole half, not one shot. The confidence is, is not exactly there. Okay. So, so Paul, <laughs> easy now, easy now. <laughs> Let's not start a riot. Okay. Or some mob beatings. Yeah. Stone him. <laughs> You know, the confidence, Paul had confidence. I'm confident of this thing, that he who began a good work will bring it to completion because you're in the game. So his confidence was based on the fruit that they were producing. His confidence was in the fact that they were there participating. Um, And so, you know, I don't know about you, but I want God to finish the good work that he started in my life. That good God work, that thing that he's making me, that man that he's making me into, that disciple maker that he's making me into, that evangelist that he's making. I I want him to finish the good work. And it's true in scripture that he'll never give up on me, that he will always be faithful, that I am his special project. However, I've got to stay in the game. I've got to stay in the game. I've got to show up for practice. I've got to eat right. What's your diet? Is it the word of God? You know, most, uh, most importantly, I've got to stay on the front foot of advancing the kingdom. If I never participate in a ministry or in making disciples or teaching others, then I'm going to miss out on the work that God will do in me in those places. And this is the principle I want to leave you with this morning, is that the work of God in me accelerates when I'm participating in the work of God. Can we, can we all say that together? The work of God in me accelerates when I'm participating in the work of God. Di, if you wouldn't mind getting that video ready. The converse of that is true as well. And I've experienced this in my life. Whenever I get onto the sidelines, you know, whenever I'm not advancing and in the mix, and uh, what I find that the work of God in me just slows down and almost shrivels up and it can even die. People, there's a reason why the Dead Sea is the Dead Sea. It's because rivers flow into it, right? There's nothing that lives in that sea. No fish, no anything, okay? There's nothing that lives there. And the reason is because rivers flow into it, but there's nothing flowing out of it. There's no participation of the sea in the rest of the world. 
in, what, in, in passing it on. If there was a river that would break forth from the, from the Dead Sea, life would happen in the Dead Sea. We would start to see fish and, and, and whatever, plants and all sorts of things start to grow because, something, because it's now participating in the rest of the world. At the moment, it's just like a gimme, I'm here to receive, but there's no stream coming out of it. And I want to ask you this morning, is there a stream coming out of you? Is there a participation of your life in the gospel? Are you a spectator or are you a participator? And I want to encourage you, don't just be a participator. Because if you're just a participator, you miss out on the incredible work that God wants to do in you. You know, this, this week, I have to share this. I went to the prayer room this morning, one of the mornings this week, to, to pray for the church and you guys, and like we normally do. And I went to the prayer room, and I, I was planning on spending an hour. It ended up being most of the morning this week. God spoke to me this week like, my goodness, like I haven't heard him speak to me in a long time. Like in an incredible, amazing, beautiful, refreshing, encouraging. I filled up three pages in my journal. And then I walked away from that, and I was, got this message on my heart. I, I thought this, I thought, if I didn't show up for prayer, what did I miss out on? The incredible work that he did. I can't tell you what he put in my heart this week. It's something so solid and so awesome, and it's for me, okay? It's, it was like I'm there for the church, but, I'm, but he did something in me, in my life, in my perspective, in my hope, in my future, thinking about the future. It was all in me. You know, we've got to, we've got to show up. In order to grow up. <laughs> if, you don't show, if you don't show up and participate in your quiet time and participate and connect or worship or in a mission or, or, or something, you'd never grow up. into Because the work of God accelerates in us when we participate in the work of God. Okay. Do you get it? I've got this, I've got this cool video this morning, which I want to show you. Um, it's, a, it's a new advert. Well, you've probably seen it. It's an F&B advert for the Springboks. And now, this is World Cup year. So my goal is to disciple you all in rugby <laughs> so that I have some people to watch rugby with this year. Okay? So, so <laughs> yeah, I just want to see some fruit come from this, okay? Be inspired, all right? But, but just watch this, okay? This is such a powerful video. Go for it. Lights, camera, action. It's a long way to I have to And you don't say please. Well, no. I have to pray to We've come a long, long way Strong, strong, 
video was how many people were involved in there. I mean, what, from what you see is parents getting children up early, you know, stitching uh, jerseys, you see linesmen, you see someone making the ball, you seeing somebody, um, you know, uh, you see medics, referees, bus drivers, clothing makers, uh, coaches, every, everybody is participating so that the Springboks can win, right? <laughs> but everybody has a role to play. Um, and I want to say, guys, as a church, you have a role to play. You have got a role to play in it. It might not be like doing what I'm doing or what somebody else is doing, but you can participate in the gospel advancing in the city. There is, there is a place for you. There is something that God has for you. You know, Paul, the best description I have of this is Paul writing to the church in Corinthians, and he says the, the church is like a body. You have different parts, but every part does its share so that the body can do what it's called to do. You know, it's interesting. If you take a part off the body, what happens to it? It dies. It shrivels up. And that's pretty much what happens to us. The work of God in us stops when we're not in, in the work of God, all right? doing the work of God. And so the key here is not just to do the work of God like uh, I'll just, I serve God in my own way or I just do my own little thing here and there for God. No, no, come into the body and bring your gift into the body. Bring your skill into the body. Find your place and participate in making the gospel advance. Amen. When you do that, I bet Paul would write to us Durbanites and say, Durbanites, I'm convinced that I'm confident that he who began that good work in you is going to bring it to fruition because you're not spectators, you participators. Amen. Let's pray. Can we just stand to our feet? <clears throat> For the way um, Wayne has inspired us as you have grace to the teaching gift that's upon his life to equip us and empower us to understand your word more. And Lord, we want to respond by saying, help us to find and tap into the gifts that you've placed in our lives. Yes. Help us to plug in to being a more fruitful, active part of your body. I thank you that you meet each one of us where we are and you take us that next step to where you want us to be. You don't put a weighted burden on us that makes us feel like we're failing, but you encourage us and you bring us via invitation up to where you want to be. 
And Lord, every single one of us wants to hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Every single one of us wants to be um, on the winning team of, um, of the confidence and the expectation that you will complete the good work that you've begun in us. So Father, as we align our hearts with you and your heart for our lives, Lord, we know that we can be confident in such things, but our responsibility, our responsibility is to yield. And so right here in this moment, Lord, we maybe even if you want to extend your hands just as a sign of, of, of responding to him, a sign of surrendering and consecrating yourself to him afresh. Father, you see each one of our hearts. You understand the thoughts of our minds before we even speak words. So we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. Come and stir in us. Come and, and breathe within us that your spirit would just stir us, stir us, stir us to the more, stir us to the connectivity, stir us to the greatness that you fashioned us for. When you created each one of us, you had an objective in mind. Lord, you didn't create us just to be soma soma nje. You created us for purpose. You created us to accomplish, to to bring into fruition things that only we can bring into fruition as your spirit works through our individual characters, personalities, quirks, the way our brains think. Each and every one of us think differently. Each and every one of us are so unique because it's in that uniqueness that we see a real completion of your body functioning and operating as it should. And I thank you, Lord, that you would bring to remembrance the joy of our salvation. You'd bring to remembrance just why, why you saved us and that it wasn't just for us, but it was for others. So, Lord, as we yield our hearts to you in this moment, I thank you that your Holy Spirit comes as a refreshing dew upon us and stirs up and awakens and draws us into that that you have for us. Amen. 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 Can I ask you to do something just before we go for tea and coffee? Would you be bold enough, if you feel comfortable, to just turn to someone next to you and just say, this is what's stirred in me today. Just as a, just to solidify what God's been doing in you, that, that you can just articulate it to someone around you, someone close to you. Just, hey, this is what God stirred in me today so that you get that creativity and that connectivity of what God is doing um, to spoken to somebody else. Does that make sense? If you don't feel comfortable doing that, you don't have to. You're more than welcome to just go and have tea and coffee. But I invite you to turn to someone and just articulate what God has stirred in your heart through the word today. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.